Hey friends, Dean here with some exciting news to share. You can now buy us a coffee. That's right. You can help support independent content creators like us by becoming a member of the 3324 Green Room at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324. Our episodes will always be free and that will not change, but your support at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 will help us continue to bring you the best in music and movie podcasting, in our humble opinion. As a Green Room supporter, you'll not only have our undying gratitude, but you'll also be able to vote on which episodes we record and receive other perks for as low as $3 per month. That's the price of a cup of coffee. There's absolutely no obligation and nothing about the show will change. It's not going behind a paywall. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 for all the details. The link will be in the show notes of every episode as well. We'll see you in the green room. Wake up your Tamagotchi, open a fresh pack of Pogs, and button that flannel shirt. Because we're coming at you with a top five alternative hits of the 90s. Stay with us. Get ready for the 3324 Podcast, where lifelong friends Dean Legiro and Eric Coover share their love of all things music and movies. Dean has directed short films and is a music trivia buff. And Eric, trained in audio engineering, brings his extensive knowledge of music and film to the conversation as they discuss, debate, and celebrate their favorite albums, films, and much more. Welcome, friends, to the 3324 Podcast. Dean Legiro here your host, along with Eric Cooper, your host as well. There's two hosts here. Well, yeah. How are you? I was kind of waiting for you to say that, but I did. You know, but <laughs> <laughs> welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Yep. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on social media. We're at 3324podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We do live shows every other week for your viewing pleasure. That's your opportunity to interact the big exciting news, we now have a Facebook group where you can post and interact with us as well. It's a lot of fun. So join us over there, won't you? Um, and for this top five, we have a special guest. Uh, Christy Cuomo is with us. She is a another multi-hyphenate. Our guests seem to be multi-hyphenates. Actor, writer, director. I had the privilege and honor to work with her during our Level 92 Films project, and she's also a producer extraordinaire. So welcome, Christy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good to see you, Dean and Eric. Yeah. Nice to have yeah. you as well. So this top five is the top five alternative songs of the 90s. And that was kind of a... It was kind of a throwaway subject initially. I was like, oh, yeah, let's just, you know, I want to do top five. And, and Christy's like, yeah, like top five 90s would be great of, of alternative. I didn't know how difficult this was going to be. You should know by now that nothing is throwaway on this show. We got standards, you know, so you need to, you know, come on now. <laughs> it has to be hard. It has to be difficult. It took so. me longer to make my list than it did to pick out the color of the car I bought. And that, is, and that is a fact. <laughs> yeah, the, that's the, great. The mistake yeah. I made was pulling up the there's a Spotify playlist called 90s alternative hits. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to I'll check this out. I, I pretty much knew I I had like the, the, the bunch in my head. And then it's like a, a song came out. I'm like, damn it. And then another song. I'm like, damn it. Yeah, I know. And then another one. I'm like, hard. damn it. I'm like, I you yeah. know ones that I forgot about ones that are just so great and, and it made it worse. 
it, it made the indecision <laughs> even 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 more amplified. Was that what happened with you, Christy, or did you ha- just uh, what, have one, too many? No, one thousand percent. I I started out and it was supposed to be five, and I was just writing down stories. I didn't even get to listen yet. I had twenty five, and it was and they're legit. They're all absolutely legit. I don't think when I was living in the time of it, and it was it was certainly my music that I realized how much good music was coming out of that out of that time period. And yeah. to this day, you know, and it's certainly my my personal preference of music, you you listen to it and it's still it's just it for me it, it, it parallels what I imagine the seventies are like for people in sure. terms of, of 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 time periods and the importance that it had. Yep. So this was so this was so incredible to have five was and we'll get into it, but it was painful to get it down to five. So, so if I'm if I'm reading this right, because it seems like we all have like a, a, like more than enough. I think that the top five will probably take a half hour. The honorable mentions will take about seven hours. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably you don't know. have as many quite as many as you guys do, but I I, I kind of approached mine with the the nineties, <clears throat> uh, as I mentioned on the Nirvana episode, um, and probably the Jewel. Uh, that um, a lot of this music was just at the time was like passing me by. I really, really wasn't paying that much attention because I was still getting into stuff from way back, like the sixties and seventies. We were still, I was still approaching that kind of stuff and getting into like other things like jazz and blues and, and all this other kind of thing. But you're right, Christy, they're, they're so much great stuff, so much great music. Well, what this, I think might have happened is, is because we have a 10-year age gap between us. So yeah. for me, it was a perfect storm. I mm-hmm. was you know, 14 to 18 years old. Yeah. And those four years is, is just that adolescence and that, that moodiness and that angst and literally everything that, that they were singing about. So for me, it was like, and I had a, I, growing up, I had a good amount of light and dark. Um, yeah. As a creative person, I think a lot of us, we, we toggle between the two. So it wasn't walking around like, oh, kill me now or anything like that. But I was, <laughs> but I was writing poetry. I, was, I wasn't afraid to explore inside of myself. Like I was, I was self-reflecting. I was, I was kind of – I was always told I was an old soul even as, as, as well, a you, young you kid. You and Eric should, uh, should meet and go bowling. <laughs> <laughs> and, do you have bowling shoes there? <laughs> yeah, sure. My size twelves. But, 12s. <clears throat> but yep. when 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 this music hit, it was it was like, oh, okay, like there's kindred spirits out there, and it yep. just it spoke it spoke to me. So I think that ten years, like for me, it was just I was in the moment, and I was loving every second of it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I, I think for me. I always thought myself as being disconnected from music at that point, as far as popular music. I, I, I'd always, in looking back, I'm like, oh, pretty much the 80s, I stopped and was kind of like not into anything. But after listening to listening to the playlist and going through, I forgot how, how much music I was listening, even though I wasn't buying the albums. Right. There was still, MTV was still kind of <clears throat> vibrant at the time and still, because I'm, I'm looking at the list and I'm, I'm remembering the videos as well i'm like yeah. i remember the videos when they were being played so mtv was still kind of a factor throughout it all and and big into you know that's when kind of like the napster thing was going on and and sharing for as whatever good or bad that was 
Um, and, and just that whole consumption of, of individual MP3s, people started ripping their CDs. So you had early MP3 players coming onto the scene and, and, compi- and recompiling stuff. It was, you know, it was like the era of the, of the mixtape again, but um, burning your own CDs using computers and whatnot. So I, I just, yeah. I just really f- didn't realize how connected I was to this, to this decade as, as, as much as I didn't think I was. So anyway. Are we ready to start? So we're going to start off with Eric mm-hmm. and Christy will go and then I will go. Now, okay. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I know where you're going. <laughs> I know Eric breaks the rules all the time, right? So now we're, we're told, yeah, well, I was going to literally lay this out and just so, just so you know what you're breaking, what rules you're breaking. Because if you don't know the rules you're breaking, then there's not rules and you're not breaking them. So. <laughs> 90s alternative. Uh, that that covers pop as well. There are alternative pop groups. There was plenty of them, and, and I certainly have a few on my list. So I think we're going from like grunge mm-hmm. to like the closest thing that's not like a boy band or anything like that. You know, I alternative think is a very to it's me a little, it's, a, it's, it's a very it's, loose term. We'll so. see how loose you go with it, though. <laughs> there's loose, and then there's Eric. <laughs> All right, so why don't, uh, you, all right. Why, why, why don't we see what we're in for? You kick us off. Okay. Number five of the top five alternative hits of the okay. 90s. Roll it out. Let's see what you got. I don't have – this is in no particular order. I, I really okay. don't have any order of preference here. This song <clears throat> from 94, so fun. So fun. When I first heard it, I thought it was David Byrne. I thought it was Talking Heads. And it's, it's uh, Send Me On My Way by Rusted Root. From nice. when I woke album, such a fun song. I love the the sort of Paul Simon Graceland vibe it has. It kind of you know kind of calls back to that world music thing. There's like all kinds of exotic instruments being played in this thing, and I I got to be honest, I love pulling out my congas to this song, and I play along with it, and I'm just banging or anything I could find to bang on. I love you know playing along. It's it's such a fun song. It appeared in like. I think not one, but like two or three different kids movies, including Matilda. And I never really consider, I guess there's a sort of a childlike quality to it, but I never really considered it a, like a kid's song. It's just very, just very catchy and just, just fun. And when it really kicks in, they're all going, it's just, oh, it's got the little, that little flutey thing in it. You can't can't help but just, you know, it's, it's just such a pleasant pleasant trip so yeah that's that's my that's a that's a great choice and yeah. i totally forgot about it and i should yeah. not have shame on me that that's like the crut they were like rusted roots like the crunchy granola alternative area <laughs> like they were like the hippie the hippie edge of yeah they're kind of they're of kind the of rootsy thing. well yeah. you know but they're but they they do more it's like yeah. they're progressive in their in their approach so they yeah had a, they had a so. couple of hits besides some yeah. way i can't think of I can't think of them, but like Dean said, I, they did escape me, but they are yeah. kind soft, of Dave Matthews ish as well. Yeah. Solid, they're kind of jammy. They're kind of, but that, that, that world music flavor, you yep. know, but more poppy, more sort of like, you know, bare, Great they're choice. not as extended, you know? So, but yeah, you there it is. have chosen wisely. <laughs> <laughs> well, it gets better. Well, it gets better from there. So okay. we'll, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Just because you referenced Dave Matthews, I'll, I'll tell you that Dave Matthews did not fit into this category for me, and that's the only reason he didn't make any list because wow. he put out some. Inc- he's, he's just I oh yeah, Dave Matthews band. It, so I'm just putting that out as a disclaimer. It was re- it so was really not, hard. Not, he will not be found on on. on no, your so list. if you were if you were making a little side list with my songs on there, Dean, you just nope. lost one. Okay. No. Nope. 
He was not. Uh, well, he's not on mine either, and I was a huge yeah. fan. I, I mean, uh, back uh, in the day, under so. the table and dreaming that when that album came out, it just knocked mm-hmm. me on my ass. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie; like that was a great album, and to this day, is just amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know the the funny thing about the whole '90s or, or the the segment of music that we're talking about, I found is that a lot of these artists or the ones that are kind of on my list or maybe on our, both of our lists or all of our lists didn't have a lot of longevity. No. You know, yeah, like Rusted a- Root, like it was, that was their, that was the, that was like their moment. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of these, these artists that had really great songs and it was just one and they kind of came out. It was, it was almost kind of like, like the like 70s, like wasn't it? Like yeah, one it was, hit wonders. Was, yeah. 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 But there were, and there were so many of them that just didn't, they hit once because it was just kind of all cashing in on, on a certain style. Great. And then you were never heard from again. So well, that, that goes back to what I was saying earlier. The, the parallels, if you think about it, between the 90s and, and the 70s with the, the abuse of alcohol and drugs. Absolutely. Alcohol and yeah. drugs. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the drugs might have changed. It was heroin in the '90s. Was took a lot of these young artists. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the addiction to heroin was insane. Um, in in the '70s, it was it was different drugs. But yeah, these parallels of these one hit wonders or these incredible bands, and then they just disappeared. And it's like, what happened? Um, it was but, it was a return to form too. It was like a very analog. It went you know the digital era was kind of phasing out all of that polished you know, electronic stuff was kind of leaving and, and we were back to guitars again and real, real drums. Yeah. And, and songwriters you know, kind of and, pe- and people yeah. sitting down and writing songs, like pouring right. their hearts out. It was, and Dean may disagree with this, but I, I, I could take someone like Eddie Vedder and mm-hmm. say that there's a, you can, you can kind of say he's Jim Morrison, like in some ways, you know, it's po there's so much yeah. poetry there. Mm-hmm. And there's, 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 there's this, just this vibe that this person gives out and this connection that people feel to them. So for me, the nineties and the seventies are just, and, mm-hmm. and, and I, they're my two favorite time periods yeah. of music. I, I think yeah. what Decades. happened in the nineties was with the, with the rise of grunge, I think that because it happened literally at the beginning of the decade, I think it, it actually reset rock music as it were, because like Eric said, the eighties had all that polish, and the, the really glossy production sounds. And when grunge literally hit, it, it kind of reset the, the way records are made. And then things started to re-evolve again. Then this is, and this is where this alternative kind of music came from is it grew out of grunge. It got a little more poppier. Mm-hmm. Some other groups took the next step forward of more poppier and, and kind of re you know, I think the nineties were kind of like a reset for the music because of grunge. They were able to kind of, yeah, you saw like like these groups, you know, more introspective writing again, and it wasn't all the glossy electronic of the '80s. So, yeah, Christy, what do you have for your number five, top five alternative hits of the '90s? I have "Hunger Strike," "Temple of the Dog," nice, and that <laughs> is a really, really important album for a number of reasons. One is it was the beginning of Pearl Jam. Uh, which for me, as will will come up m- multiple times, as I've already gone to Eddie Vedder, is just the for me. I I, I am just a huge Pearl Jam fan. Um, but you had Mother Love Bone. I don't know if you know who they are, but their lead singer died of I believe it was a heroin overdose. And Chris Cornell was roommates with him, and he got together with uh, 
Jeff and Stone were in the band of Mother Love Bone. They were going to start off on Pearl Jam. Chris Cornell got in, then they got Mike McCready. And then uh, I think uh, Eddie Vedder had sent in a, a demo tape for Pearl Jam, and then they got him on this, and then they just sang Hunger Strike. And it was, you know, Chris Cornell sang one verse that was identical to Eddie Vedder, and it was just the contrasting voices. And mm. it was just about <clears throat> not giving in to to fame and fortune and staying true to who you were. And it, you heard the song and you were just like, what is happening? Like, what is going on? Because again, coming from the eighties and all of this poppiness and polished music and synthesizers and, and just, and freestyle. And I never really in the eighties kind of grasped onto anything. I think I was listening to, you know, like Dan Hill, when I when in the 80s, like my friends are listening to freestyle and I'm listening to like 106.7. Sounds, like, like, sounds like yacht rock to me. <laughs> right, Eric? Yeah, Eric and yes, I sir. listen to it when we go bowling. And like, <laughs> so, so when, when, when Hunger Strike, when you heard Hunger Strike, you're like, wow. Like, and just the voices and the, you can hear the pain in, 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 in those voices. And for me, Hunger Strike was just. Yeah. Yeah, what a, what a debut from Eddie Vedder. I mean, he was a, virtually an unknown. Chris Cornell was was back then. Rel, you know, Soundgarden was still relatively unknown as well. So for these two just to like make, make this tribute tribute album is really what it is. And and such a what a debut. I mean, yeah, you hear you know like if you want to know everything about to need to know about Eddie Vedder, you know, listen to Hunger Strike, and that's like his vocal inflections, everything that he laid out in Pearl Jam. It began right there. Mm. And, if, and, and, yeah, and, and to the people listening, if you've never listened to Mother Love Bone, th there's a song I'm uh, uh, it's called Crown of Thorns, which uh, Pearl Jam does a cover of, which is phenomenal. I think you can uh, it's on the uh, Pearl Jam 20 uh, album, which, uh, you know, Spotify, wherever you get your music from. But definitely worth listening to. It's, it's a yeah. great cover. Uh, well, and and the, the Temple of the Dog actually started because Chris Cornell <clears throat> wrote some songs as a tribute to, to Andrew Wood as, as um, you know, because it was his roommate and he died. Um, so that, that's how this, if, you know, that's how this whole thing started. So it was just, it's an, it's an important song for, yeah. for this period. Yeah. And def definitely one of the, like the early purveyors of grunge, you know, if you're looking for those early seeds where, you know, Nirvana and the beginnings of these groups, that, that's where you can go. My number five, is nothing like any of those. My number five is really kind of the, you know, this is going to be the first shot of poppy pop music, but it is such a great song. I know what it is. I know okay. what it is. My, my number five is the way by fastball. That's not what I thought it was going to be, but that's See a that? really good. Song. What a great, just bouncy 1998 ish. Like, like I was saying, kind of the music was was evolving out of grunge and in, into alternative and then getting some of the pop stylings, but still still maintaining some of that quirky edge and, and not full boy band stuff. And, and the way by Fastball is just a great it's got the twangy guitar solo, which I love. It's got that mm. surfy guitar. Yes. Uh, okay. it's, a, it's a three piece outfit. So, you know, they, they really are just a, it's a tight sounding song. The song is actually inspired by a real life article about this old couple who died. They were found dead in their car and they were like not near like where they were supposed to be, like they were going somewhere. 
Um, and, and they wrote a song about it. And, and the way was just like, this was just on a constant loop, this song for me, like back in, in when it came out in 98, it was all over MTV. I think, uh, I think McGee, who was really, was a big director who became a big director. <laughs> now, you know, you don't even hear about McGee anymore. Right. He was like a yeah. big flirt for like, like in the early two thousands, <laughs> but he was a music video director. I think this was one of his and you could tell yeah, it's got that style, but yeah, the, the way by fastball is just, you know, Good, good, uh, and, and they, they're one of those guys yeah. they, these guys are like around at festivals like local festivals nowadays but sure yeah kinda, they had that one moment with with this song and and i think what we're going to do is we're going to make a playlist on on i'll make a, a, a spotify playlist of all of our picks and we'll Great. share it we'll share it to the group so you'll be able to listen to everybody's uh, everybody's choices so my number five is the way by fastball eric great number four okay. let it let it rip so my number four is the aptly titled, this is not a hit per se, but it was recorded in 91 um, uh, for their first album, but it, it became an outtake. Oddly enough, I don't know if this is, I don't know if I was really impressed with the fact that they came out with an album so early of outtakes and B-sides only after two major releases, but it's the Smashing Pumpkins from Pisces Iscariot. Um, and the song called Obscured, which I absolutely love. It's it's a sort of spacey kind of uh, thing. And it really, I actually kind of got into it much a little bit later when I was going through a really difficult time in the, in the 90s. Um, I had moved to Florida and I met some, a lot of great people down there. That's where I met my current wife. And, um, and you know, they were all into these kinds of groups like the, the Pumpkins. So they kind of, I kind of owe it to them. They kind of got me into this stuff. This album is, it's like nothing on this album is like throwaway for me. This has like the, their cover of Landslide, mm -hmm. Fleetwood Mac. It has. It's a um, great cover. That's a great yeah. cover. There's like three different. Yeah. yeah it, it is. It's just, um, <clears throat> it is a great cover and it, it kind of blurs the line. Like you like we were talking about like the seventies and the nineties, right? It, it's that it's like, like Billy Corgan really touched upon that, uh, mm -hmm that connection there or that sort of, you know, going back there. And I know he was a big, I know Fleetwood Mac would, might've been Tusk could have been the, the inspiration for songs like that and songs mm -hmm. like obscured because it's very kind of spacey. There's a little, you know, electric guitar flourishes. It's mostly acoustic. Um, and it kind of, and it kind of fades into this like odd, like real, like kind of off putting like tone, like, and it just kind of, you know, fades into that. And it, and, and it leaves you kind of disturbed. Like, you know, you just, you know, that's the pumpkins. They were always, they're always looking to, to, um, to do something different there. And their early stuff, I like, I don't like anything past melancholy and the infinite sadness. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything they did after that, I was just like, I do without, but I really like their first two records. And this album, like I said, just a really great sort of odds and sides. It reminds me of the who's odds and sides. It was that kind of album. And mm -hmm. like I said, nothing is throwaway on this record, but obscured. I love the lyrics. It, it kind of, I kind of relate to a lot of the lyrics, you know, lost your head. Now I sleep on the floor. Things we said, we don't say anymore, you know, those, you know, kinds of things. So it really kind of, it was <laughs> quite apt of what was happening with me, with my divorce and, you know, and then meeting, my new wife and just that sort of up and down of love lost, love found. So, you know, groups like this and albums like this sort of came at the right time. And there mm -hmm. were several that kind of fell into my lap that way in the nineties. So mm -hmm. yeah, 
Cool. So that's a, yeah. That's that's it. That's wow. My number four. Yep. Yeah. The the pumpkins could like do no wrong in the nineties. I mean, mm. that would they were like one of those groups that was just like one one after the other, and and album after album they were the ones that were, were able to sustain a little bit of a career through yeah. that because it was like you know yeah they just were were piling the albums on top of each other and stuff that yeah. was just very listenable. <clears throat> and Cherub, Cherub Rock. If I was gonna have pumpkins on my list and they're not, it would be Cherub that's Rock. Great. Yeah, I love oh, their acoustic that. version they did for Unplugged. How could that be acoustic? That could we, never be an acoustic we song. We did it. Andy, our friend Andy, <laughs> and this other guy, CJ, he, he sang. Andy played guitar, and I played bongos. And we we covered the song right. we, ourselves in my living room. And we we and actually, I wish I had a recording of it. I was going to say, wasn't, is, it wasn't is bad. It on, is it on YouTube? <laughs> no, no. You know, it was, I don't think it wasn't around then. Okay. <laughs> so did, did you like Bullet with Butterfly, uh, butterfly Wings in 1979, or were those too, too poppy for you? No, I I love the range that they had, okay. you know, because they could go from something like they can go from like real hard grunge and or something real. I kind of always thought of them as like I'm a big fan of like progressive rock, so that you know I always found like the Pumpkins they were always pushing that envelope anyway, so yeah. they were always doing something different. Man, he every could, song he could is change like his eclectic. voice up. Yeah, yeah, he would go. He could go really soft and tender, and then he would have a little bit of a right. A this rasp song in has his that, voice. Yeah, this song to. has that breathy vocal. It's really yeah. soft, but it's 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 nice. And and Darcy's bass playing on this is really sublime. Nice. So yeah, it's a great it's a great wow. track. So you you my friend are surprising me. <laughs> you okay. are throwing some 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 shock waves at me. Nice, well done, pumpkins, huh? Okay, all right. Number four for Christy. Roll it out. Well, if Eric shocked you with Smashing Pumpkins, you're not going to see this one coming. Wake Up, Mad Season. Do you know Mad Season? Yeah. Well, you do. Eric's looking like, oh. I so probably, I, I know if, those, I, if I heard those, this song. I, for those that don't, Wake Up, I, I don't know. It's, it, I, I, would, I beg you after this, to anyone that's listening to this, I implore you to listen to the album Above by Mad Season. It is probably one of the greatest albums to come out in that in that time, and there's a lot of good albums. I will tell you that that I can yeah. rattle off five albums where I'm like, there's not one bad song. This is a phenomenal album, and "Wake Up" is a song. So Lane Staley, who is the lead singer of Allison Change, was Allison Change is the lead singer of Mad Season. Um, who uh, was uh, was uh, Mike Mc was Mike McCready who? Uh, uh, he had a, it was like a it was like a super group. It was a, a few yep. people. Um, and wake up is a song he wrote about his heroin addiction. Mm. And the lyrics are just haunting. The voice is haunting. The music. It's it is so. It, it you listen to it and you're just you can hear. He's he's writing he's writing this song trying to convince himself to stop using heroin. It, yeah. I, I, you know, I, <clears throat> I'm not, I, I don't have a singing voice and you want to keep your listeners. So I'll say some of the lyrics, which is, um, I think it's, uh, wake up young man. Uh, you have to wake up. Uh, this love affair has got to end 10 long years. So it's something like that. And he's saying, you know, for 10 years I've been, you know, I've been using heroin and there's no way like I'm, this is a, this is a slow suicide. And sadly, you know, he, in 2002, he, he dies of, of a heroin overdose, but, um, he, it, it was just, a, it was a crying out for help or just admitting out loud to the world, 
I, this is, I have this. Mm. And there's, there's a beauty in that. It's tragic. And, and, and I don't mean to sound, I'm not saying that his, his death was, was, you know, beautiful, but there's, there's a beauty in just being able to, to express that in, in that way. Yeah. There's an honesty to it. There's a yeah. truth to it. And, and that, if, if, if anything, he didn't, I would say, I guess, you know, even though he, unfortunately it took him, but it, he didn't die in vain because at least he, he got that out there. Yeah, who knows how, who, was, how many lives he, he could have, he could have p- potentially helped That's save right. or, yeah. or, or, but, but it's just, I mean, you have River of Deceit on that album. You have, you have, there's so mm. many good songs. If you've never heard it, please listen to it. It's just All a right. really good she's album. She's going deep, well, deep she's in going, the well. She's going with two, <laughs> awesome. so far, she's so far two super groups. Unfortunately, oh, that's that's unfortunately, right. well, yeah, no, Traveling Wilburys did put out an album in the 90s. Traveling I Wilburys? Don't, they don't fall under alternative. Well, it looks like you're going for supergroup. So I was just trying to find one. No, I'm trying to figure out what the next path was, but they, they're not really alternative. He's got to squeeze Jeff Lynn in there somewhere, <laughs> right? Always, it always comes back to Jeff Lynn. Always. Was, I'm just thinking supergroups. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's my last super group, I think. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> so much super group. Uh, my number four. I, I think it's the, I'm going to go out there and say it's one of the, probably one of the prototypical, alter, really alternative songs. And it's just, it's a strange song, but I really like it. It's, it's oddly catchy and it's just got a lot of different things going on. And it's Cannonball by the Breeders. And, what did you have that on your list? I had my. It was on my list. It was. It, it is. Was. Or was. It is. It is. Okay. Well, but I have. I have a backup. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just you know. Yeah. Oh, um, it's, it's great. Something about that song. It's it, 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 <clears throat> it, a lot. Of, it has a lot of the things I don't usually like in songs, like distorted vocals that are put through like a like a speaker and, and stuff like that. But it's just something about the the bass, and then there's like that just that guitar lick. That goes over and over, and it's like the start-stop chunking guitar. Um, you know, the the breeders were, were largely from uh, Kim Deal, who was the bass player for the Pixies. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she has a twin sister, Kelly Deal, who really wasn't a wasn't a guitar player or a musician. I think she worked for NASA or something. And she's and she you know was having issues with the you know uh, Kim Deal was having issues with the Pixies in and out. Um, so she said, I'm going to make my own band. So she got her sister to come on and, and learn how to you know play guitar. And um, yeah, and just uh, Cannonball is just just a, a strange song, but I really just really dig it because I it's so too. weird. And there's not a lot of lyrics to it. Nothing. The lyrics don't even make sense. They're no, like they're throwaway lyrics. So, yeah. so it's more just about the feel and the, right. the, the crunchiness and the chunkiness of the song. And just the fact that they they hit it so hard too, like the vocal, they, they just like really like like push it right in your face. And that was from that was from '93, yeah, from their from their album uh, Last Splash. So um, I, I think that was for me when I when I think about alternative music, and you think about the one offs or the ones that kind of came and went. I think the Breeders probably doesn't get enough get enough respect, but apparently so, because Eric, Eric thought of it as well. So well, I, yeah, yeah I, 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 as I mentioned, and I think in our jewel episode, women in the nineties was, I think I probably paid more attention to the women artists than anybody else, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, songs like that on the radio, hearing that you always kind of pick your head up and you're like, I just love the way it starts and then stops. 
and then, yeah. they, and then they reveal the title of the album. And, and yep. that's, that's probably the only lyric that actually makes any kind of sense is that you know, you the, can last, hear. the last splash. <laughs> yeah. And there it is, you know, but I love the chunk that the chugging guitar yeah. and the bass ah. line on this thing is great. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real uh, good stuff. Fun, fun song. So, yeah. Okay. So since you go with number three, you're going to go right into, I'm going to go right into it. So, you, right. you know, I, I have to pick another woman artist. So, and this is going to be an odd choice, and and I guess you could say it, it is alternative, but it's also sort of weird. And uh, <laughs> never thought in a million years that I'd be into this kind of thing. But uh, oh, uh, oh no, the this album is, is "Dummy" show. by Portishead, and um, I'm going to go with "Glory Box" as one of the hits off this record. And there's really not much to say. And I guess that the, the song pretty much implies what it is it's extremely erotic extremely sexy it, it really captures that mood love her vocal on it that's sort of you know that smoky vocal i love the trip hop thing i love the you know this is you know they were kind of getting back into the sort of effects driven putting that back into the into the music you know you hear the sort of the scratching like a, like a, like it's as if, as if it's a vinyl record like mm-hmm. you know it's you hear that like that static in the background and that kind of those little effects but yeah, I really dig this album. I just love the mood of it. I love the sort of jazzy, kind of smoky, filled room feel, you know. So, and her her vocal is just absolutely amazing on it. I, I didn't really, you know, it's beyond this album. I really didn't pay much attention to what they did after. I only put out like two more albums after it. And I think they're still together, but I, I, they're not really doing much. But um, but yeah, that's uh, that's my number three. So in replace that it would have been the breeders, but that's uh, I replaced it with uh, he, just he to make ru- it. Uh, he ruined it. He ruined it. No, he didn't ruin it. I just you know <clears throat> that's that's the first time we've ever had. No, we we had Star Trek <laughs> in our top five TV shows too. We did well, we did we did combine then. Nice Portishead. Wow for See, the, that, for the for what... the playlist you know for the playlist playlist purposes at least it's we won't be have any overlap. So we'll put Portishead on there. Yeah. You know what? I wouldn't have a problem putting Breeders on the playlist twice. You hear it, and then it comes around again. I mean, I love, I'm all about listening to songs more than once, so I wouldn't have a problem yeah. uh, doubling up on the Breeders as well. So, uh, Christy, number three, top five. Well, listening, it's in the alternative. Listening 90s. to songs more than once, this song came out when I first started driving. So it reminds me of, of driving my 1986 Toyota Corolla. Uh, the, I had the cassette single. So I'm aging nice. myself, obviously. And um, <laughs> cassette singles rule. Because that singles were great <laughs> because you didn't have to rewind everything. Um, but I, I would play this over and over again. Window cranked, hand cranked down. The window, I needed two hands to roll down, by the way. Uh, it didn't work that well. I needed a hand to go up, uh, get the window up. And singing at the top of my lungs, like I was getting paid for it. What's Up by Four Non Blondes. Ah, great song. Great choice. That Linda song. Perry. Yeah, that Linda Perry's voice, that gravelly voice, um, that yeah. song, when it when it came on, I I was, I, I mean, literally singing it like I was being paid to sing it, screaming at the top of my lungs, singing it like I know how to sing, which I don't, and um, it just it takes me back to to being 16 years old. I think it came out in '93, and it was. It's just a great song. You know, twenty-five years old. You know, she's she's thinking. You know, comparing society to an institution. She wants to start a revolution again. For me, a lot of this music was a perfect storm of mm. just my age, where I was. You know, brooding teenager. It's just it's it. It was 
yeah, this song came out and her voice, just that, you know, just that gravel to it, that rough. And then she's got, voice. but she's got range. She goes up. She, oh, she does go high, up. But those in high that's, notes that she hits her too are, are fantastic. And that, yeah. that song though, <clears throat> was just like, yeah. wow. Uh, it's just a phenomenal song. I remember our friend, our friend, our mutual friend Johnny. I, I, I remember he was he really was into in, that. He was really into that song. He would play yeah. it over and yeah, over. I think he had the cassette. He was yeah. he used to play that. Yeah, uh, I think, Johnny, I think we, got, we definitely got a couple of listens in on on that. You think he felt like a that, that was one girl? of those ones that was just always on MTV. <laughs> What's that, Christy? You think he felt like a sixteen-year-old girl trying to roll up his window with both hands? <laughs> Who my, knows? My, my left, can... my left far, forearm. I assure you, when I was sixteen, was significantly larger than my right. I, I, and I'm not kidding you. It was. It was like Popeye. It was, it was a, the struggle was real. I, I literally yeah. would have to hold my hand to get the window to go up, and then use both hands to get it to go down. It was. And Kelly, kids Kelly, today will my, never. Kids today will never understand what it was like to have a. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, Kelly had cars like that. You know, With she. The crank. You know, what, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Linda Perry. You know, she. she Four non blondes is another one, right? They they had this big album. I think they put up put out a follow up. But it not didn't do anything. Yeah, but then Linda mm. Perry went on to like a very prolific career. I mean, she she became a, a in demand producer songwriter. Working with like everybody under the sun, Jewel, Courtney Love, Gwen Stefani, Alicia Keys, James Blunt. I mean, she just became one of those behind the scenes people that really became in demand and and didn't necessarily find the the pleasure or the fulfillment in front of the, you know, in front of a group like that. But um, yeah, that, that song was everywhere. Oh, God. That was like an anthem of, of that year, mm. you know, because it's just very, very simple song, too. There really wasn't a whole lot to it. So no, it was about, it was about really. the feel. It was really about the feel of, of that song and the perform and the vocal performance is really what carries it. And it I think very- that's what they what 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 one of the bandmates had said at one point is is the song was about how it made you feel. Really had nothing yeah. like the it didn't really mean that it like every song doesn't have to have some meaning, but what did you what was your interpretation of it? What did you yeah. get from mm. it? And how did it make right. you feel? You, and and it's it's a testament. Like <clears throat> I I literally am brought back if I hear that song, I am literally brought back to a, a point in time and that's that's a strong that's a good song that's a strong song it was early too i was i recall was it 92 93 i think it came out okay yeah. I, was, I was i just started driving so i was 16 you yeah know, so yeah. yeah so like like i said before like we're heading into that sort of analog territory like acoustic guitars and it's just you know coming right out of the 80s i mean it was, yeah. it was that's something like that was yeah Absolutely. Really, really refreshing a, to hear. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say it was a welcome change. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Especially for probably people like us with with a certain musical taste. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Four non blondes. It was definitely a forerunner of what was to come with the whole Lilith Fair generation and the whole Lilith Fair group of yeah. female artists, like we talked about in the Jewel episode, where that was kind of really pushed to the forefront. And Four non blondes was kind of a little bit ahead of the curve on that but but a powerful a powerful song nevertheless i mean it was just that's a great choice that's yeah a great choice yep number three for me there's a rhyme <laughs> um there's i was into this band in the 80s and thank god they they kind of did something in the 90s so in in, in the 80s I've, i discovered this really strange band called camper van beethoven Okay. Really eclectic, really weird, and I but poppy, just really weird stuff. And I really love them. I, I kind of, I, I really got into them. They broke up in 1989. What happens in the 90s? The the leader 
of Camper Van Beethoven, David Lowry, comes out with a new group called Cracker. So I mm. got to hear a whole bunch of music from him again. And their their first album, uh, Kerosene Hat, had a song called On It Called Low, which is just a driving guitar uh song just like kind of unrelenting but then it's got a really subdued vocal and which which kind of goes up and down um it's just one of those ones that i really loved and i was happy to see like a, a band that i liked in the 80s get reconfigured and and adapt and say okay well you know camper van beethoven isn't really going to work for this so let's come out with a new band called cracker and we'll we'll be in the alternative thing and they just just literally transitioned right into it and they had a whole bunch of other songs um, but but low was like the one if if you ever saw the music video, uh, it's with Sandra, the comedian Sandra Bernhardt and she's boxing the lead singer David Lowry who's like he's like skinny as a rail, and in the video she's just like beating the <laughs> crap out of him in, in a boxing ring. He just gets like totally bloodied by him, but by her. But um, yeah, that that was just kind of for me a, a great kind of callback to a band that that I liked that broke up and then like re reemerged as something totally different. Nothing sounds nothing like camper van Beethoven, to a total reinvention by the lead singer of something totally new. So I kind of dug that part of it. So that this is kind of like a sentimental may not be the greatest of, of the alternative hits, but for me, more of a sentimental thing that yeah. uh, a band that I liked kind of re reemerged and resurged in, in the alternative nineties. Yeah. I kind of, <clears throat> I kind of think of bands like in the nineties, like Wilco, they, they kind of felt like that kind of band. They're very eccentric. They were, they mm -hmm. weren't, they didn't stick to any one sort of thing. Like if you listen to something like being there, they're, they're, I think it's their second album or might've been their debut. Every song is kind of different. You have a little bit of Americana, you have this sort of weird uh, kind of stuff going. And also that, that, and that kind of stuff always recalls like what, what Lindsay was doing with Fleetwood Mac mm -hmm. and, you know, those, those artists who were just refused to just stay in one, one place and just kind of just do try something things. new, yeah. trying different things. And, and, you know, yeah. and, you know, camper van, 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 van blah, 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 blah. camper van Beethoven. <laughs> it's <laughs> a that five times. They do not belong together. They did Tusk. They, they recorded yeah. the album. Yeah. They recorded Tusk as very, a, you know, very and, low and, fi and very sedate. And it was not anything like the original album. No. It was just it was like a sleepy, snorry version. Like they just kind of oh, like it's just all electronic. If they went, you know, there's a lot of the like vocals, yeah, like drowsy vocals. Right. So yeah, that's that's Camper Van Beethoven. But it was actually there. This was off their second album. So low. Yeah. And another song, uh, get off, uh, get off this, which was like a big song too as well. Yeah, but another one, they didn't really Cracker sustain was, the career. They didn't sustain, but they they yeah. they were a name. You knew you. Yeah. In the '90s, you knew who Cracker was. It was yep. definitely yeah. a yeah. They were they were there, um, but where I, I think there were a lot. Of, I think there were a lot of bands like that, kind of like what Eric oh, yeah. was saying, where bands that showed versatility that just kind of popped back up or, or stayed. And you could you could probably rattle off a, a bunch of bands where you're 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 like they 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 were there. They're not the most popular. They're not the biggest, but. They had hits. They were they were present in, in that time mm -hmm. period. Yeah, they they end up laying the foundation for all the other stuff. It's kind of like those bands that kind of st are, are just rumbling underneath the the big bands like the Nirvanas and the Pearl Jams and all that. There's got to be that second tier and that that other level of of just you know putting out steady a steady output and and decent stuff. It's not you know it's not the the top shelf stuff, but it's still great music. And that's that's where that's probably where Cracker 
cracker fell in. So mm -hmm. uh, that's number three. We're, we are getting towards the apex. And I think the stakes are rising because my two, my, my last two are like the big, you know, these are like the big guns. I, I kind of left, I, I kind of gave you like the small ammo in the beginning, but the, 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 the two and the one are like the big shots. So what do, what do you have for number two? This is going to be totally off the wall for you, Dean, especially for you, Good. Dean, because you, you never thought in a million years that I would ever listen to Macarena, this band. Macarena? But, um, Mumble, I absolutely number five. Um, <laughs> uh, you talk about feeling, okay? We talk about stuff that makes you feel not necessarily pleasant. You talk about mm -hmm. just overall tone mm -hmm. and sound. I have the utmost respect for Trent Reznor. And so therefore, March of the Pigs by Nine Inch Nails is, that song will just punch you in the, if I could drop one F-bomb fucking mouth, it's just amazing the way, just the, the, the power of this song, how it just kicks in and just, oh my God. And I, I never thought in a million years that I would ever listen to something, but again, that sort of, it's not, one thing that's not mm -hmm. limited to one it's not just metal it's not just whatever it you know he i loved his score work i love his the way he approaches music in a, in a because he he's not afraid to experiment with sound and he's yeah. always giving you that off-putting it's no wonder that people like david fincher want to work with him for his films because he's just he gives you that uneasy disturbed feeling like a, it's just a, textures and, and all that kind of thing um, and makes you feel something that you never thought you would feel in music, you know, and he certainly makes in you a, face it. Yeah. It makes you face something that right. maybe you wouldn't have done on your own. He's, right. he's, he, he's a bridge to that. Yeah. I agree and with in, you a thousand percent on, on, on his music. And in, and in this song, it's like, there's this, and it's like, but the drums are like kicking. And then there's that little piano piece that kicks in, right? Doesn't it make you feel better? Like, dee, dee, dee. like what the hell was that? And to me, that's the song. <laughs> It's like, holy shit, what is, you know, where did that come from? You know? <laughs> yeah. And then it just kicks right back into like, you know, rawr, and it's like, you know, but yeah, it's an amazing album. Um, Downward Spiral. I love it. I love it I'm all the way through. It's on my wall. I got it up there. It's on the top. It, it's a little crooked. If you may want to <laughs> fix that. Oh, album. They're all, they're all, they're all crooked up there, but anyway, yeah, right. Rep representing yeah. the industrial uh, genre yeah. as well. It's, yeah, it's his, probably uh, a little manic, you know, by, yeah. by your description where, you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down, you're up, you're mm -hmm. down. And there were a lot of songs like that in the 90s that were, were manic. And because we kind of were, we were, yeah. society was just going through a major change. It, it, it was, and the music is, I think, when you look back, reflective of that. It's also questioning things. And we're, we're starting to have an issue again with authority. Again, the parallels between the 70s and 90s for me, yeah. is, you could just take it across the board with everything. And and much like film in the 90s too, some of that, like I mentioned, David Fincher, some of those disturbing movies that, that come out, which I love too. Like, you know, this, I love challenging myself and, and trying to watch films that I'd had never seen before and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. And it's just like, you know, not to get pretentious or anything like that. It's nothing to do with that. It's like, you just, you just need to, sometimes you just need to break out of your, your comfort zone and just try new things. And this was definitely one of those bands that I felt, you know, let me check them out. I mean, you hear so much about them. I was never really into the whole like, like metal 
like real hard, like punk scene where mosh pit, you know, it's like angry music. Never thought in a million years that I would ever get into that kind of thing. But like you say, it's, it is up and down. It is manic. And it, it's true. It's, it's, it, there's truth to it. So there's, you know, it's, 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 I love that honesty about it, you know, and that just that bear, that raw power that it, that it brings. So, and, and that's why yeah. for me, the, the, the alternative generation of music, because of the honesty and the willingness to kind of look within, which I don't think we got necessarily from the 80s, but we did get with the 70s, yeah. uh, is what is so appealing to me and why I'm still, to this day, I will listen to these songs and and not feel like I'm, I'm dated or I'm, I'm not in touch with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you like Hurt? Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I realized when I, I turned uh, 42, you start forgetting things. So... Um, <laughs> What's his name? Did a, a cover of Hurt. Johnny which Cash. Johnny Dranky. Cash. Wow. Yep. Uh, and I would have got it if I went to the alphabet a few times. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you listen to Johnny Cash sing, you know, the, a Trent Reznor song, and you're, you're, it's, it's, as, it's as haunting, if not more, actually. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, because he's putting that other spin on it. But yeah, but it's like just, <laughs> it's bizarre. Bizarre how things cross over. And then, I love that. I, I, I always think it's that. great. I, yeah. I do. I, I do love that. Yeah. Cool. That was your number. That's my number two. Number two. <laughs> Moving right, on, Christy. Number right, two. What's so it going to be? A little bit. A little bit more popular of a band, uh, much like Eric. And uh, how could I not put "Lightning Crashes" from Live on my list? It uh, came out in '94 on Thorn Copper, which killer album across the board. I, I think, in my in my opinion. And if you let it, if you if you let the CD play long enough, you got to hear "Horse." At the end, I, I you had to wait like a good five minutes. You, you know, people, kids today don't understand. You'd have to let a, a CD play out, and then eventually a, a, a hidden track would be there. Yeah. But um, yeah, lightning crashes came out. It it and it, it just live had put out. I think three singles, maybe selling the drama and I alone, which two songs I love, um, came out, and they didn't really do much. And then lightning crashes came out, and people sat up and paid attention. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I was never one for music videos, and I didn't I didn't get the music video. And, and later on, they said that there was a, people just misinterpreted what the music video was. And if you know the song, if you watch the video, it looks like you know mother's dying, uh, give, giving birth, and and it's really not about any of that. It's about the circle of life. The song and the song was actually written. I, I, I think whether, I don't know if it's true or not is they had a, a friend who died in a, a car accident from a drunk driver and she was an organ donor. So her eyes went here, her heart went there. And so this song kind of evolved from just those emotions of just giving back. So when he's talking about, uh, you know, the placenta falls to the floor and, 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 and uh, you're talking about the eyes and, 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 and all of these, you know, metaphors, talking about just how life just just continuously keeps going and when one life ends another begins in 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 a sense at least uh you know that that's also you know my interpretation yeah but and then the song kind of just you know it stayed popular i don't know if you recall when columbine happened yeah in uh, 99 Lightning crashes, and I would listen to this. I, I, I recall being on the on the train going down to the city. Um, I don't. It was ninety nine, so I, I certainly wasn't in school anymore because I left college. But um, they they 
played new the the song over some of the news tracks, and it was it was very powerful to hear this song played over a lot of what was mixing it with the news and the reports of Columbine. And Columbine was a big introduction to what would unfortunately we'd be dealing with still today um, with school shootings. But it it was it was a it, it just became even more powerful, and I think that the band would dedicate uh, the song every time they played it at concerts to the Columbine victims and stuff. So it, it has its place in 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 the nineties, and it deserves its its recognition. Yeah, yeah. Always- live, live another another band that kind of was was big then, and then kind of like like once the nineties came like came and went, it was kind of like what what happened to them? You know, I mean, they still I'm sure they still tour and they're still around. But another one, like prolific hit after hit after hit, and then like the well just like dries up. I, I you know, it's it's yeah. hard to you know, like I don't know if it was lightning in a bottle instead of lightning crashing. It, it's just <laughs> kind of like like with all these artists, literally, it was it's just kind of like there was so much good music coming out, but not sustaining like the career, which was you know very odd. And Ed, Ed Kowalczyk, who's the the lead singer of Live. Thank you for saying his last um, name because I would have mutilated it. Okay, you're welcome. <laughs> that's that's what I'm here for. It's Thank just you. pronunciation. And, um, oh, man, he was he was in Fight Club. I was going to say, come he on, was in Fight Club. He said, "I would I would I would uh, tell wouldn't the he, lady drink, not to have the soup. soup. Yep. Don't have he the was, soup." He was the waiter at the end. <laughs> clean clean food, sir. <laughs> yep. And, and there was another there was another rock star in that film as well. Meatloaf was in that, that right? Too. So there was two. There was a rock star from the seventies and a rock star from the nineties. So there's that bridge again. Well, more importantly, Meatloaf was Robert Paulson. <laughs> was Robert Paulson? His name is Robert Paulson. <laughs> <laughs> Eric's like I only saw Fight Club once. I don't remember. Oh my god! <laughs> no, I've I've seen it. I've seen it three times, actually. Okay, three, out. that's um, it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Such a good movie. Official movie of the 90s. It's, uh, yeah, it's out there. It's Because uh, <laughs> I'm used to Seven. I'm used to the game, you know, um, like his more sort of, yeah. I guess, I, if you could say, like more accessible or commercial. But Fight Club was a whole nother level. Fight, like, Fight Club is like the, the alternative no. movie version of alternative music. It's there like of go. the nineties. It's yeah. like something that was just so so different. Yeah. So why do two guys like us know what a Deve is? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> the, th- the things you own wind up owning you, owning which you. is one of the most true statements ever. It true. is. Yeah. The, the things you own wind up owning you. I, it's. It's you have to go back and watch it at least six more times. <laughs> well, well, we will we will get to Fight Club as I'm well. Sure. I'm waiting for in, that in inevitable, episode. you know, David Fincher box set somewhere, six like, hour you know, Criterion, you know, releasing <laughs> or something like that. But it's anyway. never going to come out because David Fincher is just too much of a perfectionist to, to finish yeah. it. That's true. That's true. Good yep. choice. So number number yep. two was Lightning Crashes by Live. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to stay in that time period i don't know if i'm stealing from eric so he may he's he said he's got all these backups in his pocket and all these different pouches of songs that he's got so he may need to reach into it if it's the if it's the same group but a different song leave it eric okay but my number two is interstate love song by stone temple pilots that's on my my twenty five list. Such a great song. Oh, you yeah. know the the really thing is. the thing about about Stone Temple Pilots is we talked about it a little bit in the in the Nirvana episode is when all that music started breaking. 
Stone Temple Pilots got really got a lot of flack for some reason. They were called Pearl Jam imitators. They were compared. To, everyone was saying, "Oh, these guys are like a poor man's Pearl Jam." It was when when their first album came out. Mm. So it's kind of like when when Plush came out. You know, kind of I could I could I could kind of hear it. You know, he had a different way of singing, Scott Weiland. So I was happy to see Stone Temple Pilots kind of carve something out that was their own. And when when Purple came out and it was this and Vaseline and just songs like that, an interstate love song is just, it's a driving song, right? I mean, it, it's literally in the title, Interstate. It's like one of those songs that you kind of, it's got like this acoustic guitar kind of opening, there's some, some, some kind of slidey guitar. And then you have the, like the three hits on the cymbal, like tss, Yep. And then the song just kind of kicks in, you know, and it's chugging along and it's got that, it's got that, that pedal to the metal feeling. You want to be on the road. You want the wind in your hair. It's just such a, it's such a great effort from them. And it was something that really, really kind of started separate Stone Temple Pilots as their own sound instead of being in the wash of all this grunge that was coming out and, and everything was sounding the same because that was the style of music mm -hmm. and they were trying to, you know, kind of cash in. And a lot of it was coincidental, but th this, uh, this song interstate love song just kind of really, I think was a, was a high watermark for STP in, in forging their own destiny and kind of coming out with something that was a little bit different. And that was the uh, 94. So mm -hmm. is that your Jerry Maguire song instead of uh what Tom Petty song is he singing in Jerry Maguire? I have a lot of songs. Free Fallen. In the yeah. Free Fallen. That, uh, yeah. No, there, there's too many. Well, we're going to do an episode about that. that about you, about you, sing, you singing <laughs> car songs. at the top of your lungs? <laughs> it's a, it is. It's one of those songs. It's, it's, uh, it's a definite, absolute classic. And yes, it was an honorable mention, but yeah. it didn't make okay. my official list. So no. <laughs> um, didn't make the yeah, cut? No. Right. But it, it was, that was a great song. Great album. Great, yeah. You know, that's one album they actually had. What that album I actually was, went out uh, was Sour Girl on? Sour Girl was, uh, I believe, was on Purple as well. Yeah, yeah. I believe another, that was that was with the video with, like the, with the Teletubbies. Like it was like really dark. Sour Girl video. Was Sarah Michelle well. Gellar was in it. And um, I don't. I I hated watching videos actually uh, because <laughs> I, I I no that was on their their fourth album called Number Four. I didn't have my own interpretation of songs, so videos. Yeah. I was, I, uh, but um. <laughs> they also did, uh, Stone Temple Pilots did a really good cover of, uh, 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 what was it, uh, Necromium, uh, with Led Zeppelin song? What was Dancing Days. Dancing Days, that was a good yeah. cover. Yeah, they did a nice version of, of they did. Dancing Days. Yeah, I don't, as a Pearl Jam fan, I never I never thought that they were uh, like a low-level Pearl Jam. They, they were completely different. I, I Yeah, I, I don't I, think they I, sounded alike yeah. at all. Yeah, no, they got, they got some flack. Yeah. Well, no, definitely not then in, in the, on their first mm. album. Uh, they they were kind of getting that you know because he had that kind of like I said if you listen to Plush, it's that kind of lower register, even flow voice that Eddie Vedder has oh. like that kind of thing you know and and so it was like oh this you know just another carbon copy of well, this. we kind of like yeah, we kind of addressed out, that with you know, Nirvana but, too their yeah. first their in row was like it sounded like 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 a Pearl Jam type yeah. of record like it it was very similar in style and then yeah. they they took it to something else you know. Are you ready for? Are you ready for? Uh, number I'm one? ready for like number. It looks one. like you're ready. Look, I'm, you're looking down. It's like okay, I'm ready for number one. So, <laughs> okay, so here's here where here's where I, I guess oh, I'm boy. breaking a, a, a rule or whatever. But I, you know, when I when I think of alternative music, I think there is. I, I would be remiss not to include this on my list because it just means so much. And I actually met these guys, and 
I met them through our friend Andy, who you know did some episodes with us, and he introduced me to this band. And they're just I wanted to kind of bookend my list with you know uh, another fun, really great fun song, and that it's King of Swing by uh, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. The whole swing they count revival came came in where again like what what are we doing here like what's going on like you know this is like weird like where did this come from like you know the, the movie swingers came out and they were in the film they were performing this song in the background I, I i think it's just a great great track and these guys are are legit um they they're they're taking this thing seriously it's not like you know you, you talk about things that came and went like the fad kind of went, it went away mm-hmm. and there were several other bands who were doing it, but they, they started out as like punk bands, like cherry pop and daddies. They started, they were like more of a punk band and they, then they went the whole swing thing and then they faded out. They disbanded. You think of Brian Setzer taking the rockabilly starting there yeah. and then, then going big band. Right. Yep. Joe Jackson did the same thing. And as, as a matter of fact, Scotty, you know, Morris, the lead singer of Big Ben, you know, like Joe Jackson was a big influence on him, actually. His uh, his swing album that he that he did of covers mm-hmm. uh, really inspired him to to get this thing going and, and get this band. And see, these guys are all classically trained musicians. I actually met them at a show like backstage and, and when talking to them, the, the coolest thing for me was was when they were telling me that when he was telling me that uh you know, his favorite artist is his hero is Cab Calloway. You can't get any better than that. Mm. You know, as an old soul, we talked about, you know, me being an old soul, <laughs> you can't get any better than somebody telling you that Cab Calloway is your, is your ultimate hero. And he actually did an album. Of, they actually did an album of covers finally of, of, but they're still, they're still together and they're still doing this kind of thing. And I have really fond memories of uh, my first date with Kelly was at Courtney and Andy's wedding. And, um, she was uh, was practicing a wedding. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That was my first date. You know, my first official date with you You went all into the wedding. Yeah. Seriously. You, you, that's all in on that. Yeah. Well, they invited (laughs) me to sing. They, they, they invited me to sing at the wedding because we would go, we would all go to karaoke and stuff. So that was a big, big thing. So I did a lot of James Taylor and, you know, so they, well, they want me, they wanted me to sing. You've got a friend. So I, I did that. So I impressed Kelly by me, me singing and she impressed me with her swing dancing. I was like, whoa, <laughs> I've got some skills. You know, she was like cutting a rug on, on with this song. So that the song means a lot, you know, there. And I remember <laughs> she she was practicing with this other guy that we knew. And um, I guess she knew that she was going to be doing this because she was wearing underneath her dress. She was wearing like these bright rainbow colored like swimming trunks or whatever underneath and that's someone when he was like flipping her around and like under the you know under the legs the whole bit you could see like these brightly neon like like what the you know like it was <laughs> yeah, so, yeah that's quite a left quite an impression but yeah, it was awesome so yeah it's, it's it's a very sentimental favorite it's just if you ever get a chance to see if you haven't seen him if you ever get a chance to see them check them out they 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 put on such a great show and i'm still and, and like i said they're still doing it and that's that's legit. That I mean, they're, they 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 didn't waver. They're 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 still doing the swing thing. They didn't they didn't try to make it more modern or anything like that. It is what it is. It's true blue. Great band, great cool. song. So nice. there it is. It it counts. It counts. It counts. Yeah, you're in. It's alternative, <laughs> like right. Yeah, I mean, it who, is. Absolutely. Who ever thought that something like that would come back? Yeah, absolutely. You know. 
Yeah, with with that and yeah, with with swingers, it just kind of became that whole subculture. Yeah, of, it's money. Of you know, <laughs> you are so money. So money. It's so money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't want to. We start talking about swingers. We'll never we'll never get out of yeah, here. Right? Good conversation. <laughs> Christy, are you ready for your number one alternative hit of the nineties? I am. You ready to ready to uncork it? I'm ready to uncork it. I, I don't think it would be a surprise where which where which band it's going to be. Um, okay, lay it out. Let's have it. This band is it, it, to uh, you had said earlier, Dean. It was uh, how all these bands they would come out with this music and even like live they'd have all these albums and then they would just kind of dissipate uh, or maybe they'd have one killer album and then they dissipate or you know a couple of hits. And this band stood the test of time. They still they're still together. Uh, they've been the same band since 1998 uh, because they went through a couple of drummers and that is Pearl Jam and the song I picked, which was incredibly hard because uh, I could have made a list of, of, of five Pearl Jam songs was um, I went with Black. Uh, Black was off the uh, album 10 uh, and it's, it's pure poetry. Uh, mm. and, and that's the thing that attracted me to to Pearl Jam and to Eddie Vedder. And, and I think Kelly talked about this on the Jewel podcast is, and I don't think it's generational. I think it's, it's personality. As soon as I got a CD or I got a cassette, the first thing I did is I opened it and I read the lyrics because the first yeah. thing anything was to me was poetry. And then the music would just complement that. So if I felt a connection to something that was being said, then, then I was that, that hook line sinker. I was done. I was sold. So in black, he, uh, he says, and, um, but I don't know where it is, but um, says, uh, I, I know you'll be a, a star in somebody's sky, but why, why can't it be mine? And there's so much pain in that. There's just, and when he's singing it, especially with his voice, mm. you, you, you can really feel it. And black is about letting go. And it's a really personal song. It was such a personal song that they didn't want to release it as a single because they didn't, they didn't feel like, you should just release songs because you want to have hits. And, right. and I think one of the reasons why Pearl Jam has sustained so long is not only that uh, Eddie Vedder was not a, a drug addict or an alcoholic. He, he dabbled, you know, just like anybody else. He, he drinks and he's a cigarette smoker and, and he's not a big drug addict uh, or do, does drugs at all. And neither did most of the band. I, I think maybe... Uh, I don't, one of them went into rehab and I think they've been clean since, but they're, besides being relatively clean, their, their reluctancy to be quote unquote rock stars and to just be true to the music and to do the music they wanted to do, write the music they wanted to write and to just play by their own rules is, is a testament to them and their longevity. I agree. You you can't argue, you cannot argue with it. And I think that Pearl Jam is probably one of, and it is one of the most important bands of our time. Um, and not because of the commercial success, because they, they didn't even want that, but because of the music, the lyrics, and what they contributed just across the board. Mm. So, and it was really hard to, to pick one. I, I, I will tell you if, if if you want to go over some of the extra songs, there's, there's, <laughs> well, you, there's not one bad song on ten. 
Versus in that one bit song, I happen to love Vitology. When Vitology yeah. came out, a lot of people who were big, big fans of Pearl Jam didn't like it because they felt like they were getting a little soft and selling out. And I looked at it like, much like what Alaris Morris said, is they're growing as artists, they're aging, they're experiencing life, they're going through yeah. their changes as human beings, just like we are. And, and so their music is a reflection of that. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. as, as we're growing with them, we're kind of... You should relate. Yeah. yeah and I, so I never felt like they were selling out. I always felt like I was relating on, to where they were. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even though our age differences were, you know, he, he's older than me, but it, it's still, it just, the, the, it, I just grew with them. Um, and mm -hmm. so that's just, Pearl Jam for me is, uh, yeah. when you nice. talk about the I 90s remember. and alternative, it's... It's Pearl Jam. I remember Eddie Vedder is always in the headlines. Like he said this and he refuses to do this and he won't, you know, he's <laughs> always, always thinking of the fans, like ticket mask, yeah, the whole, that whole thing. Eek. And I, I, I always thought it was awesome. I was like, yeah, this guy's, yeah. you know, he, yeah. you know, he does, well, you know, he, he wanted, <clears throat> he, he kind of, he had a, a fan. I, I don't know if she was trying to, if she was trying to commit suicide or just trying to get his attention. She crashed into his wall of his house. And he was, he was just like, I, 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 I don't want this. Like, this is not what I, this is not what I'm about. Like I'm writing music because I have something to say. I have something creative to give yeah. to the world, but I don't want, like, I, I want this. I don't want the other 50 things that come with it. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, the, look, the money's nice, and, and, but I don't need the fame. I don't need all, all the accolades and, and that was Eddie Vedder. I mean, it's unfortunate that people like Kirk Cobain was probably going through the same thing, thinking the same way, but he, he, you know, unfortunately t dealt with it in a different way. Yeah. Um, instead yeah. of I, I don't, being, I don't think, I don't know, think that, that Nirvana would, could sustain if you look at their second album, it was very much in the vein of, of their first album, you know, and, and the thing about Pearl Jam is that they were able to evolve, which was key. Is, mm -hmm. is the grunge thing kind of came and went. Yeah. And and yeah, Pearl Jam was caught up in the wave of that, but they were able to swim to the shore, as it were, and kind of come out and and continue to to change. Eddie Vedder aligned himself with Neil Young. He aligned himself with a bunch of other artists that kind of where where they kind of got their credibility too of not just, oh, they're this grungy band. But they're artists, and they and they kind of earn the respect of of not only their peers, but of but of the fans. Now, Christy, when you said that they went through a couple of drummers, I thought you were going to say your the band was Spinal Tap. <laughs> but I was wow. going to say that was the eighties. I said, you know, when you you know, I thought, okay, Spinal Tap. Wow, spinal that was really like I out of left field. Spinal it was, Tap. It was on number. It was number twenty six on my but, list. <laughs> I was gonna say no. It was that was the eighty, so you can't really use Spinal Tap. But but great choice, great choice with yeah with yeah. Uh, with Pearl Jam. I I did, they came in and out of the in and out of the list multiple times as well. Well, it's well too hard. Strike. It's too hard. I, I felt like I got them in twice. With you double dipped. Strike. You absolutely did. You I pulled an Eric. It. It, I, it was not really, the rules. and I was able to get, because I, I didn't pick Soundgarden and I, I struggled with that. So I got Chris go. Cornell in there as well. I was, it was very, I'm very strategic. There you go. Nice. <laughs> well thought out. Not like our lists. We just throw them together. Eric and I, I use the dartboard method. My number one is probably, I'm going to say it's the, probably the number one alternative 
pop song. I think it epitomizes. Now like I the, know what it is. The pop versions of of what like alternative pop could be, and it is you get what you give by I New knew Radicals. It. I, what? Honorable mention again. What? It's one of my honorable mentions. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah, a great. I mean, th- great this choice. kind of song it like captured like a moment in time. It actually wasn't a big chart hit. It only hit number thirty six on the charts in, yeah. on Billboard, but it had that MTV impact. It had the alternative chart impact. It was just kind of a song that was just kind of bouncy, poppy, very well constructed, very hooky. Like the hook in this is is you know like if you're a pop fan, like it's got a hook for days on it. And it's just one of those weird ones. And this was literally lightning in a bottle because New Radicals was really like kind of one person, Greg Alexander, pretty much. And he's the only consistent person on on the album. There was different people on almost every different song. And kind of he got very disenchanted with things very quickly. And they made this one album and that was it. And then, you know, gone. He went back to songwriting, went back to doing whatever he was doing. And they literally disappeared. I mean, the, the epitome of a one hit wonder. Cause they didn't even, tr- it's not like they tried. It's not like he said, okay, let's try and keep swinging at it. It was like one and done. It's like, okay, this is, you know, we're done here, you know, and it, but it was just this really just hook laden song, great lyrics, kind of, you know, a, a lot of name checking at the end, you know, Courtney love, Marilyn Manson, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, you know, Beck, yeah, all the stuff, of, all the stuff of the time. That, by the way, he, he did get a little flack. We'll, we'll kick your ass in, and he actually ended up. He met Beck somewhere afterwards, and said, "You know, I, I, it was just a song, nothing personal." Beck was like, "Okay," and then, and then and then Marilyn Manson was like, "I don't care if he says he's going to kick my ass. I just don't want to be mentioned in the same lyric as Courtney Love." Ah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so the funny thing about that about about New Radicals is obviously they went dormant. They disappeared. Um, with with the new election, they actually said if if Joe Biden wins the election, New Radicals will reform and play this song for the inauguration. And they did. They literally mm, came together and, and played the one song. How many years later? Like, you know, 20, 20 something years later. But they, I think it's just the ultimate. If you're looking for the sugary pop side of alternative music, I think it's New Radicals and w- like one and done. This is it. This is all you need from them. Yeah, you know they had another another follow up hit. In in interesting trivia, there was a member of New Radicals, Danielle Brisebois, and you might know her from seventies TV. She was on All in the Family. She was the little girl that they brought in oh. at Bunker's place. She was That's in. Right. She was in New Radicals. I did she not played, know that. <laughs> she played. Yeah, she played keyboards and did a little uh, backing vocals too. That's great. So that was. That's it. So let's let's go quickly. As we do, oh, wait, wait, Eric. Wait, so lose. Uh, uh, you get what you give, which to this day, it, and it, it was on my, it was on my list, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, but it's it's one of those songs that when it comes on, you just sing it and you you pump it, and it has nothing to do with it. But the rap version of, of the song that kind of has the same feel. There's a rap is, version. Well, it's not a rap version, but the, a rap. <laughs> yes, yes, is is it, it reminds me of "Lose Yourself" from Eminem. Where when that comes on, you just get really pumped. Yeah. And, and the same thing happens when when this song comes on. You just get you just get super pumped up. It, it, it doesn't matter where you are. Um, yeah, it's just a great poppy. It, it is poppy it is, fun, it is. but alternative song as yes, well. Yes, it is alternative. So let let's roll through, Eric. Give you give your five through one real quick. 
Christy, you'll give yours and, and I'll give mine and we'll we'll kind of close it out. We'll do we'll do one each one of you is pick one uh, honorable mention quickly. Just one, just randomly pick one, and we'll go through that as well. But go ahead, go through five, five, five to one. All right. So number five was "Send Me on My Way" by Rusted Root. Uh, number four was "Obscured" by the Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, number three, "Glory Box" by Portishead. Number two, "March of the Pigs," Nine Inch Nails, and number one, "King of Swing," Big Bad Buddha Daddy. Nice. Yeah. So, are we doing the Christy? Okay. No, Eric, we're not doing whatever you thought we were doing. <laughs> I thought we were giving our honorable mention at that we'll, we'll point. Get, we'll no, go through we'll, and then we'll, we'll do get to, we'll get to that. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> uh, number five was Hunger Strike, uh, coming off Temple of the Dog in uh, 1991. Then I had uh, Wake Up, coming off of Mad Season's album Above in 1995. Uh, What's Up, coming um, off of Bigger, Better, Faster, More by Four Non Blondes. In, uh, I believe the album was released in 94. Three, Lightning Crashes, coming off Throwing a Copper, which was released in 1994, and Black off of Pearl Jam's 10, which came out in 1991. Nice. My number five was The Way by Fastball. Number four, The Breeders with Cannonball. Number three was Low by Cracker. I just noticed those three, those three all have pretty much one, one word <laughs> titles. Uh, Interstate Love Song by Stone Temple Pilots was number two. And then, of course, number one, you get what you give by New Radicals. Okay, we'll do speed round. Pick one, just one from your list. Eric, rattle it off real quick. Oh, my God. One honorable mention. One honorable mention goes to Alanis Morissette's uh, f- from her, her, it wouldn't be her second, I, um, her follow-up to Jagged Little Pill, Love Unsent. Love that song. I love how she goes through all of these, her former boyfriends and people that she knows. It's really personal. I I absolutely really like the way she just, it's like a conversation. And it's just, most people would kind of be turned off by that, but she gets so personal with it. And it's just, I I love the, the, the the honesty there. So, and I love her, her, she sounds very vulnerable in the song, her voice, you know, it's not a hard rocking kind of thing it's just as real i like the mood of it so so i would have i would have chosen that there we go yeah alanis morissette finally cracked i thought she was going to be in here earlier i I don't consider her alternative which is i guess why well i i i don't consider her alternative um (laughs) you know she doesn't you know when i think of alternative unfortunately i I kind of associate it more with the grunge and and i was going in that direction alanis morissette is one of my all-time favorites great song eric great Mm -hmm. album and yes, she's completely vulnerable in that because, again, it's coming off of this this angry. It's kind of like Pearl Jam. She's, she's angry. She right. You know, she got she she was mistreated by this married guy, and and she's she's pumped up. And then she goes through this change where she finds her spirituality. She's talking about forgiveness. She's she's forgiving herself. She's forgiving these other people, and she's realizing I'm not perfect. Yeah, great. I mean, it just like we were talking about with Pearl Jam, just the evolution of an artist and, and just growing with them and, and kind of doing that. That's, that's a, that's a great pick actually. Cool. Uh, I, 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 I wasn't even thinking about Alanis Morissette. Um, I would probably, I don't know. This is really hard. Um, Oh God. Um, there can be only one. No, there can be so many. (laughs) Um, Oh my goodness. One. I mean, just say the first one you see. 
spin the wheel. There you go. <laughs> Put him on the wheel. <laughs> the Put him on wheel. Um, I, I think I have to do another Pearl Jam. I, I think I have to do uh, Yellow Lead better. Nice. You know, it's personal. It's uh, it's a uh, about a yellow lead better comes from yellow letter, which is uh, when someone um, died in the military, they would send the letter in a yellow envelope. And this kid got it and found out his brother died. And he's this grungy kid, and and so the song is inspired by by that. And hmm. this kid walking he's walking by a porch, and he sees an American flag, and and he wants to kind of say something to these people who are sitting out there, but they look at him and he's got greasy hair and he's, he's tattered clothes. You know, he's, he's complete grunge style and they want nothing to do with him. And it's, it's kind of like, so the connection he thought he had with these people because of the loss of his brother being military and them having a flag and, and seeing, thinking that they had a connection they didn't have at all. And it's just that, that moment of just realizing that oh, we're not the same. Yeah. So, cool. Great I, choice. I, I, there's a lot. There's, there's a lot more here. Yes. Wow. <laughs> type typewritten. Well, I printed it out from the computer in, in I, Arial I, font. I did. Uh, yes. <laughs> I actually did an old typewriter. Here you go. My uh, my my honorable mention is there's no backstory. It's just one of the songs, and it's one that I can just listen to over and over. And it is another zero hit wonder. These guys like had this song out i don't even i don't even know if it charted at all <laughs> but it's it's all for you by sister hazel okay i just really yeah. like that song there's just oh, something man. about yeah, it that's it's got a that acoustic one. like kind of runs in the, in the beginning of it and it's just kind of got a, a just a really like kind of simple solitary vocal and then it, then it just kind of kicks in and it's just it's just one of those bouncy songs it's a song you can you can sing along to um, and it's just one of those ones that when I was thinking about this list, it, it's, it's all, you know, and that's what I like. I wanted to do is kind of champion some of these one hit wonders that, that kind of got, I mean, my, you know, my list was full of that kind of stuff is these, all this great music, but they had one, but they all contributed to like the patchwork and the quilt of the nineties of this type of music, you know, hmm. and it was really important. And, 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 you know, like I said, when you think about it, it's kind of, there's there was some titans we didn't even talk about red hot chili peppers you know nirvana Which, green, it's amazing right nirvana green, didn't green make day, anyone's green list green day didn't no. make the list there were so many titans yeah. in the 90s that were just big of, of bush, that time bush, bush oasis so I many that, that were gigantic list. we'll probably just, get a lot of flack for this yeah, probably no, but, but, <laughs> but, but it's it's but then it's hard and like dean said it is i have space hog on my list in the meantime in the meantime great song i had eve Seven six Mar Seven yeah, Mary Eve six. You gotta go. You gotta stop somewhere. That's why we have to the thing. It's like and watch it spin around to a beautiful oblivion. Yeah. That's perfect. Like, well, this is the thing. That? Yeah, this is the thing that Dean and I like. We, you know, we kind of go back and forth on it all the time. It's like I'm more. I'm always about the more subjective. You gotta go with what you feel. And and I, I putting together a, a com committing to a top five. You know what you think is the best that's it's tough of its time. i mean it's, yeah. it's it's of its time it's and it's you know you we're can, not, we're not you can go stone. by the charts you can go by the hit you know how much airplay it got but ultimately what it really comes down to is what it means to you yeah absolutely so i i'm always for, you know going well, for that th so, this you know. this subject then <laughs> is ripe for interaction from you the listener jump on 
social media. Join us on Facebook and Instagram. Let us know what we missed from the 90s. There was a plethora. So there was, this was no, by no means all-inclusive whatsoever. This is literally not even skimming the surface. This is like the tip of the iceberg, barely. So there's a lot there. And um, I, I think we've hopefully we're going to make this into a, a Spotify playlist so you can check that out and you can listen to some of the ones, you know, maybe some of the ones you don't know uh, and, and let us know what ones that you like as well. So I think that's going to do it for this episode of the 3324 podcast. We want to thank Christy Cuomo for joining us. A job well done. She brought some 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 classics from from the vault with her. So we appreciate that. That's always a, a great thing. So thank you for joining us. It's it's much oh, thank appreciated. You. Thank you for having me. And when we want to do the obscure one-hit wonders from the 90s, please uh, let me know. Uh, <laughs> and apologize to your friend Andy because Nirvana made no one's list, and I'm sure he's not going to be happy. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe next time. Maybe next time. So join us on social media, 3324 Podcast, on Facebook and Twitter. We have our Facebook group there. Give us your feedback. Let us know what songs you would put on your ultimate or top five 90s alternative hits. For Eric, this has been Dean. We will see you on the flip side. You've been listening to the 3324 Podcast with Dean Legiro and Eric Cooper. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider. So please like, subscribe, and rate to become a part of the 3324 family. Your feedback is important, so make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 3324podcast and on Twitter at 3324p to join the conversation. 